0: Mental health check in with a Come on and check in with me. Mental health check in with a leak. Come on and check it with me. Mental health checking with a leak. Come on and check in with me. Come on and check it with me. Mental health checking with
1: a leak. My first question today, you know, I wanna ask, like, how's your mental health? You know? We talked about it at the beginning, but tell the viewers, how's your mental health?
0: Uh, right now, I go, I always tell everybody, and you said, you know, and I appreciate what you do, because you obviously, you know, you put out a, a lot of great contact, and you open up mm-hmm. about personal experiences, and it does take a strong person to to do that. Me, personally, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've always been able to, I could talk to anyone about anything, it's just my nature, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, look at us, we don't know each other from a can of paint, and we we've, we've been able to discuss all sorts of you know, different life experiences. Uh, As far as my mental health goes, as I said, I'll go through waves. And lately, that's what's been happening to me a lot. There's moments where I feel good. I'm ready to move on to the next day, you know, I'm ready to hit the ground running. And I feel like, hey, things are getting better. I'm improving, you know, life all around me, you know, you know, when you're when you're married, when you have children, you're always going to go through ups and downs. That's yeah. natural. You know, what I'm saying it's not always going to be peaks. You're going to get some valleys, uh, and then there's other days, man, where I feel like I'm drowning constantly, or I feel, you know, like a tightness in my chest. You know, like, or or you know, like my chest is going to explode. Yeah. And it's aggravating because I'm aware of this situation. And like I said, I start going, What's making me feel like this? And why do I feel like this? And why do I keep feeling like this? So I end up spinning myself around in a circle and then I get frustrated about that because I realize, hey, you're overthinking and you're overreacting, and you're over planning. And at that point I become a hamster in a in a wheel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I get even more aggravated. So it's just a cycle that builds up and builds up, and it's a snowball that keeps going.
1: Yeah, I understand, like, my mental health has been um, going through – it's been a lot, my mental health. Like, I've just been going, you know, going through it, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, But lately I have picked it up, you know. I've, you know, been going to the gym. I've been, you know, writing affirmations on the wall, you know, every morning. I try not to think like today I had like, I could have had like a nervous breakdown about my car, but I was like, Tali, don't get mad. Give it the guy. Don't get mad. Get with the guy. And I like listen to that voice. So, um you know, it's I'm it's, talking, it's, it's been, you know, I understand the up and downs. I understand it. You know, you be up, then you be down, then you know, you spaz out on people and it's just like so different and stuff like that. So I understand, you know, I'm glad that, you know, you notice that your mental health you know you know the up and downs and everything i'm glad that you um do that and the next question i guess for me and you i'll start it off with the answer um like what is your story you know um i'll start off you know my name sure, is Khalid, everybody um i have dealt with childhood sexual abuse i was sexually abused at a young age my two of my family members, two of my cousins. I tell my story proudly. I am a man, a black man. I'm going to tell my story no matter what. Um, it's really affected my life, you know, in my adulthood. Um, gives me it gives me that um I can't trust men. Um, I don't really have a lot of male friends, you know. I feel comfortable around girls. I feel like they accept me better. Um, they understand me more. Um. Like child and sexual abuse has grown my life, you know. It has grown my life. It has like really messed me up, you know. It really messed me up. So um, I'm enough about me. Let's talk about you. You know, share your story,
0: what you've been through. So I've gone through a number of uh, of different things, including obviously, yeah.
2: uh,
0: you know, uh, sexual harassment, sexual abuse. And I'll get to that. But uh, I I've, I've been dealing, you know, struggling with my mental health and my mental well being since I was 17. Um, and it comes from a lot of different things, which a lot of times, you know, as guys, we don't want to talk about. So, you know, your mental health is, I I believe that no matter what your, your race, your religion, your culture, whatever the case may be, you have all kinds of pressures. And, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, expectations are put upon you that you have to live up to. And that you got to be a certain way. And if you don't, you you know, you're you're failing your parents. You're failing your community. You're failing your friends. You're failing everybody. And you're not being who you're supposed to be for everyone else. And in the meantime, you're not really being who you're supposed to be for yourself. And we don't talk about that. So I've dealt, like I said, with, you know, I'm, I'm first generation American. My parents came here from Portugal and uh, my dad came in 74 and then my mom, they got married she went back to Portugal and then in 79 she came here. So I'm first generation American. So I deal with that struggle still now and I'm 40 years old, you know, where, and it's something that a lot of first generation Americans regardless where they're from struggle with is this, we have to be extremely successful and we have to have this great, amazing life because otherwise, then, our parents' sacrifice of coming to a new country is in vain. You know what I'm saying? And, I, you know, my dad, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore. My mom is. so I'm blessed to have her in my life. I remember you and your cousins talked about, obviously, losing your mothers at such a young age, and your grandmas, how much that affects, uh, affected you. Uh, so I'm so blessed to have my, my, my mom here. But at the same time, you know, it's, it, it's this constant reminder of... I'm not where I'm, you know. I'm not where she thought I would be in life, so I got to deal with that every day. And and that's not yeah. the only thing that's ever affected uh, me. And like I said, I, you know, I don't man? Oh, there he is. I'm sorry. <laughs> <a> problem. <laughs> yeah. He,
1: he was just. Oh, hey, um. He going. Um. He going. He was just sharing how like um his what he picked through.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Please continue, please, hey, please. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Likewise, likewise,
0: likewise. And um, so, you know, and it's, it, so for me, and it, oh, of course, over the years, it's yes. dealing with trying to be a good husband, dealing with trying to be a great father. Like I said, you know, I've been sick for a number of years. It was trying to be a good son, a good brother, a good friend. You know, I, because of my illness, I missed out on a lot of different things. You know, I missed out on family gatherings. I missed out on important uh, events for, you know, friends and their children and and everything. And, and I started thinking, you know, yes, they know that I'm sick, but I'm not there. So that played a, a a a rough role on me. And, of course, like I said, losing my dad. And, you know, I lost my dad at 34. And that's been a struggle. Even now, it'll be eight years in October. But, you know, as you know you know, you lose a parent regardless of when – it it's It's difficult, and it hits you and you and you grieve yeah. for them and you miss them every day, and you wonder you know what what you could have done differently and how you could have behaved differently and that plays with you and then of course yeah. on top of all that, throughout the years, you know unfortunately, you know I have had uh suicidal thoughts And last year I did attempt suicide i took a i couldn't deal with the pain, I couldn't deal with the struggles anymore I hated the fact that I was continuously. Uh, you know, sick for so long. And I got up and, you know, in the middle of the night, I went over to my dressing room where all my medication is. I found the the, the strongest medication I could. I took about 15 pills. Well, you know, what was in the container? Uh, I swallowed some, I chewed some. And, you know, because of the stomach problems I have and the esophageal problems I have, I, you know, and it's a blessing because I'm here for my son, you know, about 10 minutes later, I got up. I barely made it to the restroom. I got sick. And then later on, I went back to bed. I didn't even sleep. I just stayed awake. And Mm -hmm. I remember I drove my son to school the the following morning. I drove my wife to work and I'm driving on 95. And, you know, you're from, Palik, you're from Philadelphia, so you obviously know the area. I'm driving from Center City, Philly to, you know, uh, back to the Northeast. And I kept, to, I, I kept waiting for a clearing so I could slam yeah. my car in, into oh, the wow. medium. And then at that point, you know, because I didn't want to hurt anyone else, I just called, I, I figured, screw it, let me call my doctor. I called my doctor. He was kind enough to stay on the phone. He got someone yeah. else in the office to, to call uh, the hospital. And, you know, I drove myself to, up to Abington Memorial and I checked yeah. myself in. Uh, you know, I waited 24 hours in the ER and they had someone, they mm-hmm. took my phone, they took everything. They had someone sit in the room with me. And then finally I spent a week in, in the crisis center and, you know, I'm here and I'm here to talk mm-hmm. about my story. And I'm, you know, I'm able to share these things and, and I gladly do yeah. it, probably do it because there's no shame in saying, Hey, I've gone through these struggles, but you know yeah. what I'm learning from them. And hopefully whether someone says, you know, in return go, Hey, thank you. I appreciate what you're saying even if they just say it to themselves be like, oh man, I, I could relate to, to Paul and to these guys. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a good feeling.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for that. Um, Want to introduce um, Gareth Bryant. Um, follow the question when we came into the room was, how's your mental health and let the people know what, the, what, what, the, what it is that you do?
2: Um, my name is Gareth Bryant. I'm a chaplain. I'm a counselor. I'm a therapist. And one of my skill sets directly deals with suicide awareness, suicide prevention. Um, I've actually been working with the um, AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, since 2011. Uh, I was actually um, currently, I've actually been the first and only Muslim to actually participate in the opening ceremonies of the annual Out of the Darkness Overnight Suicide Walk. Um, this was in 2013 when it was hosted in Philadelphia. Um, and I've been working with them uh, and just in terms of my profession as a chaplain, I've been working very closely with people who are suicidal, people who contemplate suicide, people who've attempted suicide. And by law's mercy, I've actually fit primarily, I've actually personally prevented people from attempting suicide. One of the greatest stigmas, Pertaining to suicide is that people very apathetically, and I tell people all the time, apathy is worse than ignorance. Not caring is worse than not knowing. A lot of people, I would say one of the strongest stigmas about suicide is that people think that people who are suicidal don't want to live anymore. And that's not true. When a person contemplates suicide, first of all, There's a lot that ends up happening before a person gets to that space of even pondering suicide. There's a lot of trauma that they may experience in their lives. There may be a lot of things that occur in their lives. Um, Like, for example, one of the things that I've been able to do in terms of my research, in terms of my profession as a chaplain, 98% of people who I've personally counseled pertaining to suicide, they were sexually abused at least once during their lifetimes. Oh, wow. 98% of all of the people that I have personally counseled pertaining to suicide, 98% of them have been sexually abused at least once during their lifetimes. So this is like a big deal. And then also, one of the major things about suicide is that, going back to what I mentioned previously, is that one of the most common Um, misconceptions is that people really think and feel that if a person is suicidal, that they just want to give up on life, that they're tired of living. And that's completely false. That's completely untrue and dishonest. When a person contemplates suicide or attempts suicide or commits suicide, they don't actually want to die. They want their suffering to die. They want their trauma to die. They want whatever is hurting them or paining them or ailing them to die. That's what they want to die. But for various reasons, they allow themselves to think and feel that the only way to end their suffering is to end themselves.
1: Wow. wow that was... Yeah. Man, it's like... It's like you know me or something like that. Because that's like... I was, I've been going through suicide, suicidal thoughts and everything. And like I'm like, nobody understands. And you just took the words that... Uh, you, just, you just don't know, man. You just took the words that, man... Like, when you explained it, I could not explain it. Like, when I was feeling suicidal, you know, like, recently and stuff like that, I couldn't explain it, but you explained it just how I felt, you know. You know, you want your suffering to die, you know. Like, I said, like, well, my stuff, my story was sexual abuse. I'm like, like, why did this happen to me? You know, like, damn, like, I'm, <laughs> like, screw forever and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes you feel, look at your life, you know, you just, like, like, with stuff like that, you like, damn, like, this is not good. This is not, like, life is not. It's never going to be the same and stuff like that. Like I wish, like sometimes I do wish that I could have handled this as a child or said something, but I'm stuck with it and I'm dealing with it now, you know? So what you said, man, like I felt that. <laughs> I had to sit down with one of my friends. <laughs> like this is how I felt. And you know
2: what you just mentioned? What you just mentioned, that self-blame, yeah. that self-fault, predators literally rely upon that. Yeah. And that's why um groomers, because you if you study like the the prototypes of sexual abusers sexual predators mm-hmm. the most sinister and the most dangerous and the most lethal amongst them are the groomers a groomer they'll be incognito they'll they'll do covert operations if you will for like at least like a decade yeah. to get the complete trust of their victims or their targeted victims or their targeted persons of interest, they'll get the complete respect and trust of those in the circle of their targeted victims or their victims. And it's a known fact that um, basically anyone under age 15, pretty much, nine times out of 10, they're sexually abused by either a family member or a family friend or a neighbor or someone close to them or someone close to their family. This is just known fact. And, and that's done by the groomer purposely because the groomer wants to make sure that they have the most um, realistic access to a person. And then when that happens, bribery takes place, threats take place, the guilt is imposed upon you, the, survi- the victim, the survivor. They'll try to make you feel like you brought this upon yourself or you enticed a person, or you did this, or you did that. And then, like, basically, they'll paint a picture, right? They'll construct a scenario to make you feel that you made the scenario take place. Where, in fact, it's the reverse. The predator constructed the scenario. And they're able to manipulate the impressionable minds of people to make them think that they set the scenario up. Where in reality, it wasn't the victim and survivor that set the scenario up. It was the predator. It was the abuser who constructed the scenario. Yeah. So anyone who has been victimized by sexual abuse, one of the key things is that you have to forgive yourself.
1: Yeah.
2: You have to forgive yourself for allowing yourself to be blameworthy and faultworthy. Because realistically, it doesn't matter what a person says, what a person does, no human being deserves to be a victim of sexual abuse. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they've said, what they've done, how they appear, how they posture, none of that matters. Hmm. No human being deserves to be sexually abused, yeah. period.
1: I, I have a question for my homie P. Um, you talked about, your, you know, sexual abuse and everything. Have you ever faced
0: the people that did that to you, or no? So th- I, there were three instances, th- and <laughs> in what happened, and, and and you talk a lot, um, Gareth, right? Yeah. I just making sure I'm terrible names. I apologize. You right, like right, I'm, right. You know, living with the guilt and did I set this up and, and and everything. So one one of the things that I struggled with for a long time was, you know what? I'm not gonna talk about this and and I try to bring awareness to what happened to me through different ways is I like to speak out against this glorification that nobody ever talks about, but we glorify the idea of the older woman with the younger boy okay when 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 a a young a younger boy a teen boy is molested or or raped or touched or whatever by an older woman, it's, hey, you, you lucky dog, what, what are you complaining about? Come on, that's awesome. I mean, we glorify, we glorify in music and movies and whatever. And... It's, it's
2: classified as a rite of passage. Exactly, yeah. and
0: it's not. So I looked at it for a long time as a rite of passage. And then when I did start t- talking to people about it, you know, and what open, uh, you know, what happened, someone said to me, well, aren't you the one who who all is going on you're a real ladies man, and I started thinking to myself that's kind of fucked up because whether or not i'm a i am a, you know i I'd like to you know present myself as a ladies man that doesn't deserve that doesn't mean that thirteen year old me deserve to be groped and forcefully kissed and forced mm-hmm. to grope you know the teacher that did that to me and and the coworker and the parent mm-hmm. that you know of a, a, a friend I didn't deserve that. So whether I, you know, I like to be, you know, a Casanova or whatever the case may be, I didn't deserve that as a kid. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I, I want to, I always speak out against this glorification, as you said, this rite of passage that happened. So that's what happened. So I was in the sixth grade. And when the teacher would, she started cornering me in the closet when where we'd hang up our coats. And it all started with come on, what what do you need, an invitation to hurry up and get out of here and like get the stuff done? And it was just me, you know, I was a bigger kid. It was just me being polite. It would get crowded in there between our class, the other class that we shared the closet with. So, you know, I'm letting everybody kind of get, you know, I, I was trying to get out of my own way, get out of their way, whatever the case may be. And she would come in there and it kept happening. And it's like, what are you doing in here? When Why are you hiding here? And, you know, it started from the beginning of the year and then one day she corners me you know we're leaving and she corners me and she's like i think you want this to happen don't you Uh Uh wow and Uh and that was it it was kind of like hey she dropped the seed that was it and i'm like do i tell anybody about this that i you know maybe i'm taking it the wrong way and then i thought no because you know what she's a teacher and if i say something going to say well how dare you say that against a teacher it was kind of like when people start coming out and saying hey the the priest abused me the doctor abused me you know these are people in high that we've always held in high standards how you like
2: power authority influence yeah. is classic intimidation
0: exactly so i thought you know what it was nothing it was not a big deal we fast forward you know a few weeks and that kept happening all this and then finally it got to around you know this time of the year, we were leaving, I got cornered again, and she reached around me like she was giving me a hug, squeezed my behind. I'm trying to keep it clean as <laughs> being a Philly guy, you guys- Right, 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 want. right. I'm trying to keep it clean here. She squeezed my behind, she pressed herself against me, and she goes, is this the invitation you always wanted? Wow. And I'm like
2: classic reverse psychology. And,
0: and I felt to myself I can't even tell my best friend that this happened because he's going to say something and it's going to create a mess not for her but for me. Okay? And I remember that went on and obviously and, and, and you know and then I feel guilty about this because I go I think about you know, what you've seen, Gareth, with the people that you work with, what you experienced, uh, you know, the experiences you've had and other people. And, I, and then I feel guilt and I feel shame because, hey, I'm talking about this and it doesn't sound as horrible and aggressive, but it still needs to be discussed. You know what I'm saying? That's what I've learned recently. It still needs to be discussed, you know? Definitely. And so, you know, I didn't tell anyone for years. We fast forward a couple of years I'm working at a fast food place across from where I go to, um, to high school. Actually, between that, I'm sorry, between that, I'm over, I had a, one incident with a friend's mother who I was really close with, with him. Yeah. And she was part of, Port, you know, in the Portuguese community, again, someone who's well known. Throughout the entire community, and uh, the Portuguese community in Philadelphia was very small, so everybody knows your business. They know when you have a cold, they know when you got a a letter from great-grandma from the old country. Everyone knows your business. And I would go over to my friend's house, and one day he's upstairs. And again, his mom came uh, came on to me. She grabbed me, she kissed me, she put my hand on her breasts. She's like, oh. And this is a comment that a lot of older women say to younger boys, and nobody says anything about it. She goes, Ugh oh, you know, Paulie, if I wasn't already married. Yeah. So, and I, you know, now that I'm older, I think, can you imagine if I went to like my friend's 16 year old daughter and go, Hey, Stacy, if I. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we need to talk about. And like I said, so fast forward to the other instance. I had a co-worker who had the habit of, she was a cashier. I worked on the sandwich station. Every time she walked by me, she would pinch me, my behind. She would pinch me, or she would slap me, or she would grope me. And one day, we were extremely busy. She, I asked her, hey, can you stop the fryer? She said to her, she turns around. She went full-blown like goose man on me and you know not even when i get a prostate exam i'm 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 getting that violated and i was just like whoa you know what i'm saying like this was in front of my co other coworkers, this was in front of the guests, yes. and what was really embarrassing is there was a, a a classmate of mine from high school with her mom there and i just you know i locked eyes with the both of them and I was mortified, man. And I and I don't embarrass easy, but I was, and you could tell that they were embarrassed for me. It was a sense of powerlessness, exactly, because yeah. I couldn't say or do anything. Later, later on that week, I'm in the back. I'm you know cleaning the fry rack or you know, the grill or whatever pieces of the grill, and you could see there's a camera that looks through the uh, to the back door, but you can't see what happens on the side closets. Yeah, and she went she went in there. She's like, I don't think it's fair that I keep grabbing you and you don't grab me. And she takes my hands. She put my hands around on her behind. She put my her, my hands on her breast. She put my hands on her private area. And again, I'm trying to keep it clean here, of course. And she's like, I know you're enjoying it. And obviously, you know, I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid. Your body reacts to it. You know what I'm saying? So I felt guilty about that. I'm like... I can't tell my I can't tell the manager what happened. I can't tell my parents what happened, because she's gonna say, "Well, obviously he reacted to it. He enjoyed it. He didn't fight me off." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and I'll wrap up. I I I lived with that for a long time, and it wasn't until about maybe six seven months ago that I started talking about this. What happened, and and you do have to bring awareness to to, to these things. And the comment that I hate the most, and I I, I don't know. If you gentlemen have heard it, but it really steams me up, man, is when someone goes, yeah, boys get abused by by women, but it doesn't happen as much. It doesn't happen as much. And I hate that. I can't stand that because... What you're practically saying is because it doesn't happen as much, it's okay. That's total BS. But abuse, abuse is abuse. Right. Abuse is abuse, and every-
2: yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. it doesn't. Even if it only happened once, that's right. still mm-hmm. one time too many.
0: I apologize. It doesn't I matter apologize.
2: how so often it doesn't happen. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And you know, going back to what you mentioned, that's also something that um, sexual predators prey upon in terms of just natural anatomical responses yeah. to sexual acts or sexual penetration is that in in their minds and hearts, they figure, oh, well, because a person reacted anatomically, they must have enjoyed it. There's a difference between a natural anatomical response to something and actual enjoyment. And for the victim and the survivor, they're conflicted because they know that these anatomical processes are happening at the time that they're being sexually abused. And they're thinking they allow themselves to be duped oh, well, maybe I did enjoy it, or maybe I'm just pissing and moaning about it now. Maybe I'm just complaining about it now and I enjoyed it back then, or that type of thing. Yeah, And, and these, these, these subtleties actually mean a lot because they can literally make or break a person's pursuit of justice against their oppressors. Right. And, and And also one of the things we always have to keep in mind is that sexual abuse is an act of hate. It's not an act of love, it's an act yeah. of hate. There's, there's, there's no love in sexual abuse. And there's something very important that Allah says in the Quran in chapter five, verse eight, Allah says, and never let your hatred against any people prevent you from behaving justly. So there's no way that you're going to have any type of love for someone if you're sexually abusing them. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, I just want to. So say- ju- ju- that's just what we have to know is that if you sexually abuse someone, you hate them. Yeah. Point blank, period.
1: I want to say about the um, girl in the comments. She said, let's say it's been 20 years later. If it's too late, is it too late? Because I know you answered it, but I was just going to say it's definitely too late. Um, I waited till, like, I'm like, I told certain people about my molester, me being molested. I told four, I told my sister, my sister-in-law, two of my cousins. And I just told them, don't say nothing. I said, don't say nothing. And I said, I'll tell y'all this, blah, blah, blah. They didn't say nothing. And I didn't start talking about it until I was 26. I had to be like 10 or like 11 when I got molested. And I told I started talking about it now. You know, a lot of my family, I don't know how they feel about it, but I don't care. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to say what I got to say and stuff like that. They sexually abused me and stuff. It was wrong and stuff like that. And it's crazy how, maybe you can answer um, um Gary. Um, it's crazy how it never came up in my mind as a child. It just came up as an adult. Like, I never thought about it as a child, nothing.
2: Because certain, certain traumas we purposely suppress. There's yeah. certain trauma that we purposely keep on the back burner yeah. of our memory, we keep it subconscious. Yeah. But oftentimes, if we're triggered or when we're triggered by something, it elevates to the conscious. And then also, what you mentioned, P, about um, the incident in the store,
0: depending on the severity of the abuse, when you get sexually abused, especially depending on
2: the type of sexual abuse, in a certain respect, you you stay locked into the age and the mindset that you were when you were sexually abused. Like if you were sexually abused when you were six, there's certain dimensions of your life in which you're still gonna operate as a six-year-old. And and this is also something I know about um, human behavior, Um, uh, 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 behavioral science, human behavior. From the time that our sense of hearing is enacted in the wounds of our mothers from the second trimester all the way to age 10, any and all of those human experiences from the second trimester to age 10, regardless of whether those experiences are positive or negative, they have the potential to perpetually affect us as long as we live.
1: That's, 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 man, that's true. I'll
2: read. And, and, and also, and also to what you mentioned, one of the reasons how and why, like you said, and it's true, yeah. one of the reasons how and why people refuse to recognize and accept the reality of females sexually abusing males is, again, is because it's, it's classified as a rite right of passage. Mm-hmm. More often than not, most people are only concerned about males being sexually abused if or when other males right. sexually abuse right. males yeah right and, and then years later, if a person ends up expressing themselves as being homosexual or they express different type of, of um, what is now known secularly as gender expressions, it's only then that people are concerned as per how or why. A person was sexually ab- a male was sexually abused by a male. But in all reality, that can also occur if a female sexually abuses a male. Because at, literally when' you're, when you're sexually abused, regardless of whether you're male or female, you immediately develop sexual identity crises. And, and, this, and this is also something that I personally experience in my profession as a chaplain. Um, counseling people in terms of sexual identity crisis and homosexuality. 98% of people who I've personally counseled pertaining to sexual identity crisis and homosexuality, they were sexually abused at least once during their lifetimes. Yeah. So there's a strong correlation between sexual identity crisis and suicide. And equally, there's a direct strong correlation between suicide and sexual abuse. Yeah.
1: It's 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 crazy that you said that, right? Um, it's so crazy, right? So, you know, like, I'm real open about my story and stuff like that. You know, I think, like, uh, my friend Nettie, um, the poet, like, she does a segment called They Took My Choice Away. She got there, you know, from me. I always said that when they molested me as a child, they took my choice away to choose what I wanted to be, who I wanted to love, and who I wanted to like. So, you know, I grew up homosexual lifestyle and everything, right? So, it's been three years... Sometimes I mess with a guy. And the re- reason is that because I feel like I was sexually confused, right? Somebody asked me, a pastor, one of my pastors, you know, I first time One of my pastors asked me, he said, Leek, you have to ask yourself, are you gay or are you living through a traumatic experience that still ha- that happened to you? That shocked the hell out of me because I'm like, damn, like, I don't know. You know, I used to be like, I know, I know i don't know maybe i am living through a traumatic experience that happened to me you know it that caused me what you said sexual identity it caused me going to sexual identity i'm like damn like what do i like you know they took my choice away so like what do i like you know i don't know if i like that you know because i i can't stand men i don't trust them it's stuff because of the sexual abuse that i was forced to do i won't do so it's like like i'm confused and stuff like that it's good that you you know you said that because like it's, it's, it's a struggle, man. It's a, like, sexual identity, I talk to people about the, my friends, and I think they don't get it. I'm like, your sexual identity, I know you people say, be you live your life, but it's still a struggle when you in your head and the sexual identity is, like, it's, it's bad. And that's, I'm glad that you brought that up, Gary. I'm glad that you brought yeah. that, up. And, that
2: And that question that your pastor asked you, not only is that a good question, that's a brave question. Because yeah. most people wouldn't dare ask someone that. Yeah. At least not that directly. So that that was a good question, and that was a brave question. Yeah.
0: And especially in in this day and age, where sometimes you got to ask the tough questions, and you don't because you know you don't want to fear of backlash. Fear
2: criticism. Yeah, uh, you, you know
0: what I'm saying. And uh, uh, Talik, you 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 just said something that's very important. We all is here, especially now, uh, now in the world that we live in. Yeah. Live your life. Be you. Be you. Be you. And you know, not just whether you know if you're a guy that's been sexually abused, but just guys in generally. Mm-hmm. You, the world, and will tell you, "Hey, be you and be who you are and be proud and live your life the way yeah. you want to be." And every you know, we we gotta tolerate each other and accept each other, but at the same time, no, because if you're when you're a guy, yeah. you know. You still have to apologize. You got to apologize for the way you walk, and the way you talk, and the way you sit, and the way sometimes you're 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 just staring off into space. While he's looking at me weird, you know, typical guy. And, and this, and you do got to. I don't understand why men are still the only group in, in the community today that have to apologize for who who you are, and how you are, and how you think, and. That's not an excuse for you to be a jerk or an a hole to anyone, and that's yeah. what people don't understand. You know, as people go, well, you know, oh, no, you don't have a right to be, you know, nasty and rude and, yeah. you know, just be a j o to people. But at the same time, why is it? I always there, there was a great line from the I don't know if you guys ever watched the the, the show Modern Family. The the. Uh, what's his name? Ed O'Neill's character asked his son, why is it that you could be the way you are and I can't be the way that I am? Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And one phrase that I've always used, especially as i gotten older and because of my upbringing, because like I said, you know, being first generation American and, you know, being a guy and being Catholic and being Portuguese, and being everything, you know you 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 you're a member of your you know of your environment a product of your environment and you grow up a certain way one of the phrases that i've always used is i feel like a vcr in a streaming world uh-huh. you know what i'm saying yeah. i feel obsolete i feel right. like you know i turn around i see someone you know 10 20 years younger than me and i go and maybe i am being a jerk i'm like why doesn't this person have the same kind of work ethic yeah. that I did? Why doesn't this person have the same drive and ambition and, and, and everything yeah. that I did? And I realized, okay, just like I'm a product of my environment, they're a product of theirs. But again, there's moments where, as you said, it's all about, hey, and nowadays we live in a world that's be you, do you. Yeah. But if you're a guy, pump the brakes a little bit because we don't like – we don't like your tone. We don't like your gaze. We don't like the, the you know, the way you're you're sitting. So, I mean, it, 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 that comes with conditions. You yeah. know, the be you, do you, unfortunately for men, come with conditions. Yeah. And that's a struggle that nobody ever wants to talk about.
2: Because we live in an age where this this is the only time, this modern world, this modern era, is literally the only period of human history where masculinity is under constant uh attack it's um, constantly feared even right. even amongst other men right it's 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 threatened and it's attacked and it's feared just like this whole concept this bullshit concept quote-unquote toxic masculinity there's no such yeah. thing as toxic masculinity there's pseudo masculinity there's no such thing as toxic masculinity Exactly.
1: thank you i just want to um say something add something in there I forgot to say earlier. Um, anybody that know anybody that's struggling with suicide or suicidal thoughts, there is a national hotline at one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. That's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. If you know anybody that's struggling with or you're struggling, with, make sure you call that number. You could text them. You could check go on the website and everything. Um, I wanted to add about the toxic the masculinity thing. Um, I don't think I was judged before because, like, I'm a type of guy, right? You know, I was sexually abused, and. um um, where my emotions on my sleeve. So I think a lot of guys, like I try to make guy friends, but it, it like it wasn't working. I feel like a lot of people saw me as an emotional guy. This guy's talking about his, you know, he's talking about him being sexually abused. Like I don't want to hang with him, and it's 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 fucked up. It's like really fucked up and stuff like that. Because I'm a cool person and stuff like right that, and I know because he, it
2: makes you alienated. Yeah, it makes you isolated. It, it
1: makes me feel like I don't fit in with guys. Like, I remember I told somebody I was like, I don't feel like I would fit in with guys just sitting there talking to them and stuff like that. Because nobody, like I think people don't take me like with a grain of salt because i'm so emotional like i'm 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 happy to talk about my story i'm happy to talk about what happened to me because a lot of men don't do it and i hate the stigma around it that you can't speak about mental health that you know we got to be strong you can't be weak and stuff like that i i hate that stigma there's a a, a
2: lot of there's a lot of dimensions there's a lot of reasons for that like for example um prison culture has contributed mightily to that stigma also, even though ironically, the vast majority of men who would ever get sexually abused would get sexually abused in prison.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm glad that you said and that. And then also, yeah.
2: they, they, okay. have, they have the newest stats, the, the, the newest national stats. About 60% of anyone, whether they're male or female, 60% of US inmates who are sexually abused yeah. Are sexually abused by jail and prison staff oh, as opposed yeah. to fellow inmates.
1: Right. I'm glad that you said that because, um, viewers, he I watched Care Door interview and I inboxed some media. I'm like, yo, I forgot all about people in prison getting sexual abuse or rape. I forgot about that. Yeah. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be awareness for, you know, you know, rape is rape, abuses abuse, like the, all that shit is wrong and stuff like that. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad that yeah, you- definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like
2: I know people personally yeah. who've been to jail and prison who were gang raped, who were sexually abused. Yeah. And this, this, a whole plethora of documentaries on YouTube yeah. on how people are very vocal, people who are current inmates, former inmates, they're very um, open and honest and truthful about their experiences of being victimized by sexual abuse and even themselves being proponents of sexual abuse, people who impose sexual abuse upon others. It's a very real thing. And when people come home to their societies, you know that common statement, that common cliche, hurt people, hurt people. It's very cliche, but there's a lot of truth and honesty to it.
1: Yeah, that is true.
2: And because when we refuse, at just any any of us who've experienced anything traumatic, even if it has nothing to do with abuse or sexual abuse, yeah. but anything traumatic, anytime anytime we don't anytime we disallow a negative cycle to end with us, the cycle it's it it go it keeps lapping like this, and and the cycle gets thicker, and the thicker a cycle gets the more difficult it is to break and destroy. Yeah.
0: That you know what that one what you just said Gareth that actually hit me it hit me now cuz so as i mentioned I'm poor I'm, my parents are, are you know I'm portuguese. Okay. First generation american. In the portuguese culture we have This there, there's not like a a, an actual translation for the word. We for us, it's we call it so dots It's very much this longing or feeling of, you know, uh, this longing for a time that once was or this place that once was, and or this idea that nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia. It's it's like a nostalgia, Mm -hmm. but uh, I guess you could you could you could say that, and you know things might not really be all that great. And, you know, Portuguese people are the most melancholy people in the, in the world. And, you know, I remember telling my therapist, one of my therapists that, and she looked at me and, you know, she was she's half Japanese, half American. She goes, all these years, I thought it was Japanese people because we grew up, we have that same kind of feeling yeah. and everything, and obviously every culture, everybody does. Um, but you talked about, you know, needing to break that cycle uh about a year or two ago you know as i mentioned earlier to to leak i have a i have an eight-year-old son now but about uh a year or two ago i'm he was with me we drove my wife to to, to work we're driving home and he just starts bawling his eyes out he, 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 and i go buddy what's wrong you know talk to dad What what's going on and he goes i'm really sad he goes i i, I miss our house i said well we're 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 going home. Like, we'll be home in a little bit. And he goes, No. He's like, not the house we live in. The 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 other home, which was prior, you know, we had moved when he was uh two to where we live now. He goes, Because where we live, that's our house, but it's not my home. And he's this ball in this you know, five, six, seven years old at the time. And I'm like, buddy, what would make you feel better? He's like, Can we go back and see it? So I had to, you know, and gladly, I did it. I drove him to the old house for him to see it. And and apparently, as he sat there and he cried and he lamented this thing, I I started hating myself, going, I'm passing this god-awful gene and trait to my son. You know what I'm saying? And I did, and I felt guilty that I'm, you know, and it's obviously a cultural trait, and, you know, it's nothing extremely bad, but I felt I felt guilty, you know what I'm saying? And you're right, it's so important. If we keep allowing, you know, the cycle to continue, it's only going to get worse. So generational, tra- for, generational
2: for, for, trauma. For, for yeah, so, uh, uh, so social, social inheritance. Yeah. There's so many things that we inherit socially yeah. from our families, like our tribe, our ethnicity, our culture, our uh, national origin, where we live regionally or nationally. It's, it's this concept that that I coined, social inheritance, where we just inherit all of these things from our environment, these environmental factors. We absorb them. Just by human nature, we absorb them, and they become a part of who we are. Right. But it was good that you did that for your son because it allowed him to heal.
0: Right. And, and uh, Alec, you, you you spoke about, you know, obviously... You wanted to talk with friends they didn't want to accept what you know your conversation they'd be like hey don't talk about that and you know that is a. and of course you brought up the term toxic masculinity and i find it to be complete bs too i hate that because there's this mentality people think that masculinity is about the size of your beard and you being able to use a hammer and how much you could be at your chest No, my dad god bless him to always taught me that being a man Was about first and foremost, make the health and happiness of your family. Second, it was about protecting and providing for them. And third, it was about standing up for the people that can't stand up for themselves. That's what was being a man. And again, this is a guy that came, a man that came from Portugal in 1974 at age of 18. You know, lived whatever the American dream, the concept of the American dream. He lived it. He created a family. He built himself a life. He worked himself up by the bootstraps, but before I even knew what emotional intelligence was, he told me, Hey man, not only do you need to grow up and be a man, but by being, you know, his idea of being a man was be a responsible adult. You know, <laughs> you can't be, uh, 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 you can't depend on mommy and daddy and the community to all this, take care of you. You got to learn how to do things for yourself. And, you know, there's nothing toxic about teaching your kids to be able to do certain things, to be self sufficient. Okay. And, but at the same time, he also said, listen, if you're feeling a certain way. You got to talk about it because if you keep bearing it, you keep bearing it, you keep bearing it. One thing is going to happen is you're going to explode at the wrong moment on the yeah, wrong person. Yeah, I know so you're it. either going to cause a world of hurt for them, oh, or you're going to cause a world, a world of hurt for yourself. yourself. You're either
2: going to explode yeah. or you're going to implode. Right. You're either, you're either, you're either going to destroy or self-destruct. Yes. Exactly.
0: And, and it's funny because you know we always talk about, and I, and I see this clip. I see this post a lot that, you know, men need to know that it's okay not to be okay. Men need to know this. Men need to know that. And I always go back, men know these things. Because again, here's my dad at, you know, you know, 20 years ago telling me to be able to talk and to open up. So I always go back. It's not just necessary for men to know that they need to open up. But society needs to realize that when we open up, listen to us. If we're opening up, it has we, to be
2: respected, regardless right?
0: Regardless of, you know, regardless if we're doing it with a smile on our face or tears in our eyes, or we're mm. going full blown ballistic. That's happening for a reason. And don't tell me that it doesn't happen as often to boys. And don't tell me that because I'm a man, my struggles aren't the same to what a, a woman goes through.
2: That's cla- that's called classic gaslighting. That's okay. gaslighting, and it's deflection from the issue. And
0: you know what happens when that happens? What, 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 most guys, what do they do? The guys that don't want to, they that's a they, they shut down, right? They, so yeah. like, they you say, they don't want to talk to you because they've been told that before. Hey, yeah. no, 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 it's not the same. Yeah. So they shut down. You know, what I'm saying they they don't want to hear it, and it, it, it's frustrating and aggravating and sad. And everybody wants you to express your emotions mm-hmm. unless it's anger and frustration.
2: Or more importantly, if it's uncomfortable for them. Yes, yes Because, of course. Yes. With, with, because spe- specifically with the issue of sexual abuse, people want sexual abuse to be a genocentric narrative. But in all reality, sexual abuse has no gender.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It has
2: no gender pertaining to the proponent Mm -hmm. of it, the pontificate of it, the promoter of it has no gender. Mm -hmm. And likewise, Mm -hmm. the victim and the survivor has no gender. Exactly. Because sexual abuse applies to men and women. Why? Because there's men and women who are sexual abusers, and there's Mm -hmm. men and women who are sexually abused. Yeah. So it's not exclusive. It's never been exclusively a women's issue or exclusively a men's issue never and it's never going to be
1: yeah.
2: it's a human issue exactly and and literally being sexually abused is the most dehumanizing thing that you can ever impose upon another human being period
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's why i i i'm always baffled at when you know whether it's me or any of the other groups you know uh, uh, other people that post stuff uh, regarding you know Guys being sexually assaulted, being sexually abused, domestic violence at home—well, it doesn't happen all. Again, it's that damn term. It doesn't happen as often. It's gaslighting. It doesn't it's deflection. The it... And then I go, "That's why guys aren't opening up." You're telling, not, in one breath, you're telling me it's okay to not be okay, open up, and then on the next one, you're telling me, "Well, it's not the same," and that's why. <laughs> you find like you you talked about you either explode or you or you implode and sometimes i go and i guess that's where you know being emotionally intelligent being yeah. self aware of, of what goes on with you cuz a lot of times i do remember seeing my dad like muttering to himself you know what yeah. i'm saying he he it, 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 and we think oh my god you know this this crazy fool is talking to himself and we see that a lot with men you know, whether it's our age, the older generation, we see them talking. It happens blocks. a
2: lot because we've been taught to not be courageous enough to be right. free to express ourselves. So
0: I would, I would ask him, "Dad, what's up? Everything okay?" He's like, "Yeah, everything was fine. Everything is fine." But he would still, in the in the same breath of everything is fine, he's still muttering to himself, yeah. and then a few moments later, he would, call, you know, he would talk to me, and he would say what I was muttering was I was telling the person that needed to hear those things. I, I was saying the things that I wanted to say, yeah. but I wanted to protect the other person's feelings, whether it was yours, my boss's, your mom's, you know, talking about my grandparents. And we do that a lot, you know, and people don't realize that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of yeah. times we don't open because, we don't open because we're cold heartless bastards. Yeah. We don't open up because you know what? We want to protect you yeah. from seeing the darkness and the and the emotional destruction yeah. that's inside us because we're terrified. Well really it's deeper,
2: yeah. it's deeper than that. It it is. Is. It's deeper than that. It's the fact that we're not comfortable being vulnerable. A lot
0: of guys because, you're right.
2: Because vulnerability is always gonna be seen as a weakness, it's never seen as a strength. And there's a reason how and why, statistically, throughout many countries of the world, women outlive men. Because women are always given the lane and the green light to be vulnerable. Men are hardly ever given the green light in the lane to be psycho-emotionally vulnerable. So we contain, we hold in all of our stress And stress kills. It does. Like not being able to express yourself is a form of stress. And if you don't have any positive outlets to exert or to expel that type of negative or toxic energy to be able to release it, it takes a toll on your soul. It takes a toll on on your uh, 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 psycho-emotional constitution. It takes a toll on your primal health. Exactly. And it's, it's one of the contributing factors that kill a lot
1: of men. It's crazy though, because like when I was young, right, we talk about like whole stuff, and like I, I like really, I didn't realize I had issues, these issues, right, with the sexual abuse or just with men in general until I started going to church at like three or four years ago. I didn't realize that until I started being around a lot of men. So as a child, I was talking to my therapist. I was like, he was like, you held a lot of stuff, and like you. Didn't tell nobody that you was molested because you was protecting people. You was holding your family up. That shit hurt. I was like, yo, that is crazy because I didn't want to say nothing because I didn't want no beef starting and stuff like that. I knew the people that did it that was a little crazy and stuff like that. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And then, like, my grandma was my guardian. I didn't want to let her down. Like, damn, like, you know, you took me to this house, a family house, and it happened and stuff like that, you know? Like, when I first told people, like, my dad dad wanted to know who did it. You know, it's too late. You was in and out of my life. It's too late. And you just want to know so you can do something to that person. And then it's just crazy. I had to wind up telling my brother who did it too, like recently, like last year. I had to tell him. Like I had to. Like we grew up together, real close and everything. And I had I had to get that off my chest. Like, and even with my the people that molested me, I inboxed them on Facebook and forgave them. I was like, I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't say I'm sorry. I said, I forgive y'all what y'all did. And they remembered what they did. One of them said it happened to them. That's not an excuse. I don't want to hear that excuse. I did it to you because it happened to me. That's not an excuse.
2: It's not a justification yeah, it's not, at it's all. Not, like, it's not excuse. Those excuses are not, not justification.
1: Because I'm like, if you love me, you did that to me. You put that on me. I'm like, exactly. Because
2: Exactly. There's, there's no way that you're really going to love yeah. someone and do that to them. <laughs> Period. <laughs> because first of all, it's impossible for you to love someone that you don't respect. Yeah. And there's no way that you're gonna respect yeah. someone if you sexually abuse them. Yeah, <laughs> because literally, sexual abuse is the most disrespectful thing that you could ever do to another human being. Yeah.
1: Definitely.
2: So if you sexually abuse someone, there's no way that you respect them. Yeah. And again, if you don't respect someone, there's no way that you're going to love them.
1: I listen. I saw I, I, I forgive you know it is what it is. you know and that I crazy I had death forgiveness. It's crazy when you forgive somebody. You truly forgive. And it's like, you got to work on yourself. Build your self-esteem up. Because sexual abuse, it takes away your self-esteem, your self-love for yourself. Like, I was- Your getting, humanity. Yeah, I was hating myself. It, it's, I ta- not It love literally it's an
2: attack on your humanity. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's
1: bad. And I, like I said, like, when I started going to church, I didn't realize I had these issues with men until I started going back to church. And I was like, yo, like, I was like, lashing out. Like you said, you hold it in, you lash out. I was lashing out on people. Like I was standoffish. One person met me and I was like, you was a little standoffish. And I felt, I felt bad. I'm like, damn, I'm not even like that. I'm a cool guy. Maybe I need to work on this and stuff like that. So I know like, holding that in ain't no joke. <laughs> holding it in, like I'm glad now that I'm letting it out. I'm talking about it more. Like I'm gonna keep talking about it. You know, it is, it happened to me and stuff like that. Was- but but
2: that it's important to heal. Yeah. This yeah. is literally part of the healing yeah. process. And every human being is entitled, is justified to heal from their trauma. Yeah
1: that is true that is so true let's see it's like 8 okay um let me see let me throw something in there um question why like uh question I mean, it's for both of y'all but you can answer it a different way Garrett. why do you think men don't speak up about you know sexual abuse or depression or suicide i'll say it first i feel like um like, you know, it's a stigma. You know, we can't be weak. You know, I feel like people don't, men don't have a safe place to speak up. You know, like, look at the memes. Somebody posted a meme the other day. It was like when Jordan was crying, Will Smith was crying, and Tyrese was crying. They was all judging them. And this is why people don't speak up. You know, y'all judge. That's and a fact. judge them. That's a they, fact. They judge it, them. It's shame culture.
2: Judgmentalism. It's yeah. shame culture. They, yeah.
1: They judge them. Because
2: everyone gets this facade of, quote, unquote, oh, you're supposed to be a man and Men don't break under pressure. Men don't fall under pressure. All of us uh, have fragility. Yeah. All of us yeah. have flaws. All of us have weaknesses. Like, for example, Allah says something very important about the human being in chapter in the Quran, chapter yeah. 4, verse 28. Allah says, and humanity was created weak. Yeah. The hum- humanity was created flawed, fragile. We all have weaknesses. We all have flaws. We all have fragility. And we have to rely upon ourselves, we have to rely upon Allah our creator, we have to rely upon ourselves, we have to rely upon each other to help us to grow, to help us get stronger. It's like that famous statement, no man is an island unto themselves. It's very cliche, but there's a lot of truth and honesty to it. We need each other to help each other get stronger. Yeah, we we definitely Very few people can get strong or get stronger by themselves, very few people.
1: I believe we, were, we, weren't, we weren't meant to do life alone. We need, you know, that help and stuff like that.
2: No, it's a fact. Yeah. It's a fact. But when we isolate ourselves, when we alienate ourselves, when we isolate other people, when we alienate other people yeah. just because yeah. they may not be the same religion as we are yeah. or that they don't need the, the same sexual lifestyle yeah. as we do, we don't have to agree on any of those things. No. We don't have to agree on, no. on no. religious beliefs. We don't have no. to no. agree on... Um, gender expression. We don't have to agree on sexual preference. But what we do have to agree upon is the fact that we're all human beings. Yes, yes. And every human being has a right to be protected from these types of harms. Yep. And every human being has an entitlement, has a justification to be protected from those things. And if they're victimized, they have an op- they have an entitlement, a justification to be healed from their trauma. And all of us collectively as human beings, we have an obligation to the one who created us, yeah. then to ourselves, then to each other, to help each other heal from that trauma. Yeah.
0: Those are true words, my friend.
1: You say, p, why do you think men don't speak
0: up? Why do you do think? Well, again, it's, you know, you, you, uh, both you and Gareth said it on the... Uh, on, uh, hit the mark you know there there's it's the stigma it's the shame it's the guilt it's the way you're brought up you know what I'm saying we, you know as guys we're you know we're brought up a certain way I mean how many clips have we seen before where you know someone posts a, a a video of them taking their you know their little boy to the doctor and the little boy's getting a shot and the dad's sitting there going don't cry don't cry tough it out and the kid and and you see the kid's face and the kids' like this you know, and I'm like, why, why? There's going to come a moment where that little kid wants to, is going to want to tell you, Hey, I'm struggling in school. I'm struggling with my spouse. I'm struggling with my child. I'm struggling with my life. And all they're going to remember is don't cry. Don't cry. Just, do, just do this. You know, one of our, one of our viewers asked, you know, and I'll tie it in with your, with your question, you know, should a man be vulnerable and front of a woman? Yeah. Why not? You know what I'm saying? Why can't why why can't I express the grief for my the for you know losing my dad or you losing your mom or you know that struggle that I'm having would work because I could you know I could have so much a, a much better life and you know my motive my ambitions and my dreams I feel like they're you know they're like grains of sand through yeah. the hourglass are slipping away yeah you know what be vulnerable and we're not again because as as gareth as you said it's that you know cultural gaslighting or that gas classic gaslighting excuse me of well listen you struggle but it's not the same yeah you know what I'm saying? so it gets to the point where where guys go what's the point what's the point nobody cares nobody's gonna listen N- you know nobody gives a darn what's the point let me put my head down let me trudge forward and whatever happens, happens and that's it. You know what's gonna happen? We're gonna end up falling flat on our face. We're gonna be alone. And you know, we're gonna die. And we could have lived our best life. And we could have you know, followed our dreams and, and, and reach our ambitions and, and, and get everything if we said, yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, I miss my dad. Yeah, I miss my mom. Yeah, you know what? I can't live to my cultural expectations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. it would be so much better. You know, again, I and I'll wrap up with this again, bringing up with with culture as first generation. I see it not just within the Portuguese community, but you know, I I went to Northeast High in Philadelphia, yeah. one of the most diverse high schools when I went there in, in the in the late '90s in the city of Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. So I saw a lot of first-generation Americans from m- multiple ethnicities yeah. and cultures. And I'll tell you that the struggle was the same. At home, mom and dad wanted you to be happy. But happiness and mental well-being came after you being successful. Because yeah. if you were successful, you'll be happy. Yeah. And if you're successful, it validates what we did the sacrifices we did. And that's something I can tell you that not, I don't care where you come from in this world, not a lot of first-generation Americans want to talk about that because there's still some guilt and shame. It's, and again, it's a little bit more accepting when the women do it because a lot of my female friends have started to open up. But if you're a guy and you say this, guess what, mommy and daddy, I didn't want to be an engineer. I didn't want to be a a, a pharmacist. I didn't want to be a doctor or lawyer. I want to be a photographer. I want to be a DJ. I want to be a barista the rest of my life. I'm happy doing that. None of those things. That's you bring embarrassment to the family, and that's why men don't open up. That's why first generations don't uh, Americans don't open up. That's why we constantly struggle. And Gareth, as you said, that cycle keeps spinning and spinning to the next. And it gets bigger. Yeah. And you know what you just mentioned? That's literally the
2: definition of failure. Because happiness, happiness is success. Success is happiness. And there's no reason how and why they should be apart. For someone to pontificate and promote that, oh, you could be happy, but you gotta be successful first. By definition, that's failure. Because a lot of people, they confuse prosperity with happiness. Some of the most prosperous people in human history have been failures, yeah. And the proof that they were failures is that they committed suicide. Yeah. For example, um, uh, uh, um, the fashion designer Kate Spade,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, she's on top of the food chain, oh. multimillionaire, killed, killed herself. Wow. Robin Williams made the world laugh for forty years, yeah, but he's one of the most miserable people on earth. The only reason why Will Smith got the role of the genie in the live-action Aladdin film was because Robin Williams was dead. Yeah. That's the only reason why he got that part, because can't nobody replay the genie like Robin Williams did. But... Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but he, he killed himself because he, he was empty inside. He was hollow. He was miserable. Yeah. And we, we've become a people... We've become a society where we disallow people from being happy yeah. and we only allow, we impose these unrealistic um, measurements of happiness, which are really not happiness, they're really manifestations of joy yeah, that's right. there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy is exclusively temporary. So, happiness is something that perpetuates it's something that's perpetual. Yeah. And happiness is exclusively an internal, introspective endeavor. Like I tell people all the time, no one can make you happy, but anyone can make you miserable.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: And just like what you mentioned about not having having women in your life that you can be vulnerable with, realistically, if you're in a relationship with a woman and she's not someone you could be vulnerable with, clearly you're with the wrong woman. You need to pick another woman. Clearly, yeah. if you can't be vulnerable with the woman you share your bed and your life with, you need another woman to share your bed and your life with.
1: Yeah.
2: Point blank period. Yes. But going back to that, that stigma of men expected expecting to be emotionless, and that's not reality. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as an emotionless human being. It, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it, there's no such thing.
1: Yes. That's that true. That's what I just wanna, you
2: know oh, and also, also to note. Even though women die from suicide attempts yeah. three times more than men do, men attempt suicide four times um, no wait, no no no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even 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 though women attempt suicide three times more than men do. Men die from suicide attempts four times more than yeah. women do. Yeah,
0: that's true. For the last, so lot even that people don't speak about it is it is far higher in men. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems it seemed like the men the men numbers is rising, and you know people are suffering yeah, in silence, and you know they're not you know speaking out they're
2: scared to speak out you know not finding out I, I literally counsel people every day on a daily like no no exaggeration i literally counsel people every day about suicide contemplation and suicide attempts literally on a daily every day all the time no exaggeration yeah. Yeah. but um, like you, you you would literally be surprised the men that you know personally who have contemplated suicide or attempted suicide. You'd be surprised. You would, you would literally be surprised. Yeah. You, 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 would, you, would, you, would, you would be equally as surprised to know the types of men in, that you know personally who, like you said, who suffer yeah. in silence yeah. because of things like sexual abuse. Yeah. Matter of fact, m- m- many reasons how and why people venture into the porn industry. Is because of sexual abuse. Yeah, that's true. This is known fact. They yeah. interview porn stars all the time, and a lot of porn stars bring up the fact that they were sexually abused.
0: Yeah. You, uh. That's you, true. I, I was gonna that's say, true. I guess you had brought up, and, and, and leak you too, that. And this was earlier, you know, guys, you know, it's not about ending your life it's about ending your 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 pain
1: ending your suffering right obviously
0: one of the things that always comes you know one of the other terms that y'all is as well you know it's a selfish thing for you to do yeah. and um you know obviously being from from philly and being a a a, a, a four for four for sports guys one 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 gentleman who has you know done so much vocally for 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 men's mental health, and you know obviously you got Eagles, you know Lane Johnson and Garrett Brooks and a couple other guys, was Brian Dawkins. And one thing that I remember uh, from him, because you Gareth, you talked about the the attempts, and you know unfortunately the quote unquote success rate of those attempts. I remember him talking, you know, as as Brian Dawkins was about to go into the Hall of Fame, where he would have the thought, how can I do this without doing this? Because this way I still spare my family the hurt that I killed myself. And I could tell you personally, and you talked about Gareth, you said you'd be surprised how many men have had these thoughts. And obviously I've had them. You know, you know people who've had them. You work with them. Leek, you, yourself... I yeah. can tell you, there were moments where I I wanted to die, and I but I didn't want to do yeah. I I didn't want to put the belt around my neck. I didn't want to put the, all that medication in my body, but I did. I kept thinking that about it because yeah. I kept hoping every time I would come home from one of my treatments or one of my doctor appointments or whatever. Just as I got to the house, I kept hoping. I hope yeah. someone blows through this stop sign or this red light and key bones me. Cause then it's not me doing it. It was yeah. na- an act. Unfortunately that happened. Or sometimes I go, you know what? Maybe I'll look at someone thinks I'm looking at the wrong way and they'll, they'll do it for me. Yeah. Cause then it's an act. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Cause I thought about all the time was, you know, having a, a, a son I always thought I didn't want my son to grow up Not only, obviously, my dad died But I didn't want the moment to come Where someone would be Oh, you're, you're, you're Paul's son? Oh, your dad, man Your dad was a class act Your dad was an alright guy Your dad was this yeah. And then the back of his mind As he's growing up, he's going If my dad was so great Then why did he do what he did? Right So, yeah. but if I'm If, if I if I'm gone in a car accident, then I didn't do anything. It was an unfortunate event. Yeah. And I know we all know that there are a ton of men and we know them and they probably don't talk about our, our dads, our uncles, yeah. our grandpops, our cousins, whoever, our buddies from down the street. They've had those thoughts and, yeah. and, and it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Even in terms of crime. I'm sorry? Even in terms of doing
2: crime, they, they have this concept suicide yes. by cop.
0: Right, right. Yep. Which is very prevalent, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's very common.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just want all, yeah, all, all, men, I just want all men out there just to like, you know, talk to somebody, you know. Don't be busy. afraid to reach out yeah. to me. And you know what? And don't, and
2: don't let don't let modern society at all make you feel that vulnerability yes. is a weakness. It's not a weakness. Not it's
0: not. And I'll say it right here. You got Lee, you got Gareth, you got me. There's countless I, I'm always amazed at the countless groups that are popping up through Instagram and social media. And you're looking at someone I didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground. Pardon my language when it came to social media. I still don't. <laughs> You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, this is all foreign to me, really. It really yeah. is. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, we, you, you got two great gentlemen here, yeah. and I'll throw myself in the mix that I'm sure there's nothing you could tell us that we haven't heard yeah. before, that we haven't talked about before. So if you yeah. need help and you don't want to go to your, your, your buddies, you don't want to go to your brothers, you don't want to go to the. We have. We Yeah, We have. Sure yeah. you. Yes, and with
1: that that saying, um, we're going to end the live, but I just want you guys to share stuff that you guys are doing. I'll share first. I'm doing my mental health check-ins. Anybody know, anybody will come in and just check in on live. Um, I volunteer for NAMI. is a mental health organization. I'm a certified peer specialist, so I can run support groups. You know, I run a Black Minds Matter group. I run a depression and anxiety group. I run a men's group. And um, they have a warm line. It's NAMI Bucks PA. So anybody need any help, just reach out, you know, hit me up. You know, I will put you in the right direction to get help. And... Um, we're gonna start with Garrett, and then and repeat. Like, what's that? What's you, what's going
2: on with you out here? Like, what's telling everybody? Yeah, like I said, I, I do yes. I do counseling, I do therapy. Anyone who wants um counseling or therapy sessions with me, I'm very easily accessible. You can reach out to me. Um, the Muslim Model on Instagram. Um, I have a book out uh, with one of my co uh, with my co author. It's called Um Never Too Late to Grow: Thirty Tools of Empowerment is available on Amazon. Nice. I have a podcast on Spotify and Anchor. It's called gareth bryant's perceptions it's exclusively based upon my um professional um endeavors through chaplaincy so you can check that out also so when i
1: put this video when this video goes up make sure you put that in the comments man definitely, oh, no, yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. I'm check, right now. I'm out. Right check him out he's a dope guy um p what's going on with you man
0: well i have uh i'm working on a couple of projects a book being one of them a podcast uh, as well they're in the works you know trying to get the right people on board uh, to be able to help me along, and of course, right now what I'm trying to do is just bring as much awareness as I can to the various topics that afflict men, um, and you know, and boys, because obviously, you know, it starts with the young boys, and we got to teach them the the right way, and show, you know, lead by example. That's always been important. You could always check out my content at either Paulo Estadante on Instagram or at Supporting My Brothers, and you know i i love being a part of events like this because it 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 it, it shows different guys going through different yeah. things but at the same time it's showing that we're all the same and we could all relate to each other at the end of the day because at the end of the day we're not just men as gareth has said repeatedly we're humans and we're fragile and that's okay and we need each other Yes, and um
1: p i thank you so much you know i don't like me i don't guys i don't really know p or garrett just know i'm off the line but i feel like i, I gained some brothers tonight you know that if i need them i can talk to them if i know somebody that need help i can send them send them their way and um thank you p and garrett thank you for being on here with us you know me and p you know going through sexual abuse and you navigating and telling us the you know, said some stuff that really helped me tonight that really like like i was trying to commit suicide and really you just really put some stuff in my head that clicked you know now thank you for being here. I thank you both for being here, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a great night. No,
2: thank you. Yes. Thank,
1: thank you. y'all. We have to do we're we have to do a part two. I don't know what I'm gonna do. A part two. No, definitely.
0: A we, have, we have to keep this going. I, I, we have to keep this yes, going. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a real pleasure, man, uh, meeting yes. you here today and I hope we get to work together because yes, uh, yes. It's, it, it, incredible. Because the, it's incredible. Because
2: the work is provided. that important. The, the work is important. Yeah. Yes
1: sir. All right, you guys have a good. Make sure y'all to guys connect, y'all have a great night. All right. Yeah, nice definitely, tour. definitely. Yeah, see you guys. All right, have time, a good everybody. night,